You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. A high performance sports car draped with a yellow tarp in a Surrey drive through The body of Metro Vancouver's latest shooting victim inside. Good evening and thanks for joining us once again. A gangland style shooting in broad daylight in a busy commercial area and residents have had enough. Global Sarah McDonald is live in Surrey tonight with more. Sarah, we now know the identity of the victim. Sophie, that's right. We now know the identity of that man who was shot and killed behind the wheel of his car this morning. That victim, a high-profile member of the Hells Angels, believed to be targeted. 9.20 Friday morning in a bustling crowded strip mall in the heart of South Surrey. Counting them off, it would be like pop, 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 pop. Gunfire and a cold-blooded targeted hit, killing the man behind the wheel of this vehicle, shattering an otherwise routine morning. People were rushing to the windows. She saw people diving for cover. Patrons becoming witnesses and first responders in a matter of seconds. I said, go ahead and put pressure on the wounds, which I, uh, which I did. And then while I was doing that, um, he jerked twice. You know, it was pretty comforting. He passed then. We now know who that victim is. Identified as Suminder Ali Graywall by multiple sources to Global News, a high-profile member of the Hells Angels. There was a Hells Angels sticker on the uh, back window. Graywall shot multiple times as his car crawled towards the window of a crowded Starbucks. There was one car at the Starbucks window and he was directly behind it. Whoever pulled the trigger rolling up alongside him in the drive-thru of an adjacent bank before opening fire. We saw these two guys black, black clothing on. We were running to the car and they roared up past here about 90 miles an hour. And that was just the beginning of a morning of mayhem and a series of lockdowns spanning the city. Those two alleged gunmen fleeing first by vehicle and then by foot, allegedly leaving multiple crime scenes in their wake before being taken into custody. Uh, telling the guy to stay down, stay down, stay down. And he was using very loud voice so people could hear him all over the block. This latest incident marking the end of yet another brazen shooting in broad daylight. To have it happen here is is troubling. I'm really sad for this community because we, you know, we don't expect it here. And only serving to reignite the long-standing debate over gun and gang violence in the province's fastest growing city. And as you can see behind me, some nine hours after... This morning, investigators and the coroner are still on scene this evening. The integrated homicide investigation team has now taken conduct of this case. Sophie Ihit is expected to update the public and the media on this case later this evening. All right, thanks for that. Sarah McDonald reporting in Surrey for us. Well, it's all up to a judge now. Closing arguments wrapped up today in the trial of the man accused of killing Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. Defense lawyers arguing the Crown failed to prove Oscar Arfman pulled the trigger. Jill Bennett reports. These are the seconds before Oscar Arfman is arrested, ending nine minutes of chaos that started at a nearby mall parking lot. Arfman pleaded not guilty to the first-degree murder of Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. During closing arguments, defense questioned the reliability of some of the witnesses, saying their recollection might have been influenced by media coverage. Crown disagreed. Defense also argued Crown has not proven beyond a reasonable doubt it was Arfman who shot the police officer. This case is like a donut. 
the crown has proved the beginning and the end, but there's a big hole in the middle. And the hole in the middle is the point in time that Constable Davidson was shot. Crown says from the 911 call about the first shots fired at a pickup truck to Officer Davidson arriving and being shot to Arfman's arrest was such a short timeline, it would have been impossible for someone else to have shot the officer. Once again, the issue of motive was raised in court. Defense saying there was none. Oscar Arfman didn't know John Davidson and there was no reason he would shoot a police officer. But Crown argued the very fact Oscar Arfman was trying to get away as police arrived to investigate a call of gunshots shows there was motive. He didn't want to get caught. I didn't say Oscar Arfman didn't do it. What we say is the Crown hasn't proven that he did it. Crown Council, I'm... Uh so very impressed. They did an outstanding job of presenting the case, uh, of laying out the evidence. So uh, we're just very thankful for all the efforts of Crown. Before reserving her decision, the justice hearing the case told defense and Crown she may want more information on the mental state of Oscar Arfman, raising the possibility he could be found guilty, but not criminally responsible. Jill Bennett, Global News. RCMP now say two Surrey men who've been missing for nearly a month might have been the victims of foul play. Ryan Provencher and Richard Skur were last seen July 17th in a white Jeep Cherokee, which was later found abandoned near Logan Lake. Police have now searched a rural property near Spence's Bridge that was believed to have been their destination and is the location of a business associated with Provencher. Investigators say given the length of time the two have been missing, they're now considering foul play. A deadline is looming for laying charges against the company responsible for one of the worst environmental disasters in B.C. history. On August 4th, 2014, a dam broke at Imperial Metals Mount Polly Copper and Gold Mine, sending 24 million cubic meters of toxic water and mine tailings into Polly Lake, Hazeltine Creek and Quinell Lake. Two years ago, the deadline to file provincial charges against the company expired, and now environmentalists say the deadline to file federal charges is about to expire as well. Our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us from Victoria with more on this. And Keith, there's concern that the company responsible could get off scot-free. Well, that's definitely a possibility, Sophie. It's hard to believe it's been almost five years to the day since that disaster unfolded, all that uh, uh, toxic uh, water flooded into Quinell Lake. But there has been a four-and-a-half-year investigation from environment camp, from officials from Environment Canada, Fisheries and Oceans BC, and the BC Conservation Service. That report was handed over to the Federal Public Prosecutor Service uh, back in April. They've been sitting on it for a few months now. They have until Sunday to, to determine whether or not they're going to file a charge under the Fisheries Act, uh, which is the lowest uh, charge they can come up with, which would uh, still uh, expose the company potentially to a fine of $8 million. But Joe Foy of the Wilderness Community, other environmentalists say this is an important uh, decision to be made here and wonders whether mining companies are going to be treated differently than other companies when it comes to incidents such as this. Here's Joe Foy. Getting right down to the wire here, it's very important that charges are laid. Uh, the whole mining industry is looking at this as well as many uh, Canadians are wondering, uh, are the uh, uh, rich and powerful, are the big mining companies uh, going to be held to the same standards as, as the rest of us are? Uh, and Canadian justice, I think, is on the line here. 
Now, Sunday is just one deadline the company faces. It's a five-year window for charges to be laid under the Fisheries Act. However, if the federal government or the prosecution service decides to go the direct indictment route, there is no timeline on that. They can lay that charge now or next year. Uh, again, there's no timeline on a much more serious charge because that would expose the company potentially to a fine of up to $12 million. So one deadline on Sunday, but there's no deadline on the more serious charge under direct indictment. All right. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry in Victoria. A Jordanian man who was arrested in B.C. over social media posts allegedly supporting terror attacks in Canada has been released from custody in Vancouver. Othman Ayad Hamdan was ordered deported in October of last year. He was deemed a danger to the security of Canada. Nadia Stewart has more on why he's being released. In the Immigration Refugee Board's decision, the board member concluded that at no time did he find Othman Ayad Hamdan posed a high risk to the public or that he was a security threat, adding that the decision should not be seen as an endorsement or vindication of Hamdan's alleged online activities. Hamdan is originally from Jordan and came to Canada in 2002 by way of the Washington state border seeking refugee status. This photo was taken in 2015 when he was first arrested in Fort St. John. We can use it because Hamden's face cannot be seen, something a publication ban on this hearing restricts. He was first arrested in 2015 by the RCMP on terrorism charges related to allegations of online posts about ISIS, the so-called Islamic State. He was acquitted in 2017 but was promptly arrested and detained at the Fraser Regional Correction Centre, which brings us to today's hearing. Hamden expressed at the hearing he will forego any similar internet activity, making any kind of comment that could result in his detention again. A total of 26 conditions are attached to this decision, including where Hamden will live. He'll continue to live in northern BC with requirements he report to CBSA or RCMP regularly, not access the internet, particularly social media sites, and that he keep the peace. An expert we spoke with said the conditions are key. Although we have a deportation order, the person is free in our society subject to 26 conditions uh, during the multi-year process before possible removal from Canada. And the next step is a pre-removal risk assessment. And we also learned Hamden has filed a civil suit, taking issue with the way that he's been treated and the fact that he's been detained for a total of four years. Nadia Stark, Global News. Right now, though, Vancouver's Pride Week is about to kick into high gear with a series of events throughout the city this weekend, culminating in Sunday's colorful parade. But as Jennifer Palmer reports, a cloud of controversy still hangs over the festival's signature event. Happy Pride! Oh! It's a colorful, popular weekend celebrating Pride, and the festivities are ready to kick off. So lots of good, like, energy and hype. I think it's great. It's colorful. The main event is the annual Pride Parade. Hundreds of thousands take part. However, this year, two institutions have been barred. The Vancouver Public Library and the University of British Columbia. At issue, controversial speakers. This isn't the first time this has happened. In 2017, uniformed Vancouver police officers were also barred. This decision was asking them to think differently about how they bring people um, who aren't just speaking about things that are controversial, but actually preaching intolerance and against the civil liberties of our nation. It seems harsh to uh, knock out a big uh, se segment of our community that way. I think if you're trying to like promote inclusivity, 
that you shouldn't be like excluding certain groups. David Cavey, a Conservative Party of Canada candidate for Vancouver Centre, has decided not to march in the parade over the issue. In a statement, he said, I feel it is equally important that these publicly funded institutions are not punished for fulfilling their legal obligation to rent out their facilities. Their neutrality and value to our society should be applauded, not punished. He didn't reach out to us first. We have no problem in replacing that um, particular entry. UBC and the VPL have both stated they will work to see what changes need to be made. This is an opportunity to have internal conversations within these institutions to affirm uh, what its values are, what its commitments are, uh, and what its responsibilities are. The society says employees of UBC and the VPL are welcome to take part, including a bevy of politicians. The Pride Parade takes place Sunday, welcoming many different groups and people. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Well, two days after we reported on concerns about pieces of metal falling from Vancouver's Granville Bridge, we're getting a closer look at some of the upgrades being done to the span. The city hosted a media tour today showing off the improvement work underway. The $35 million project includes structural and seismic upgrades. The city says it's investigating reports that pieces of metal are falling from the bridge and onto Granville Island. But so far, they haven't been able to confirm anything. There have been incidents of, of pieces falling off any pieces of, our, any pieces of infrastructure that we have in the, across the city. On our three main bridges that we have here, there, there, has, there have been circumstances, but obviously public safety is at their forefront. And anytime anything, there's any alleged um, incident, we investigate right away, ensure that there's the safety and security of, of the public is at the forefront. A video shot by a Colorado woman of her chilling encounter with a black bear in Whistler is getting a lot of attention around the world. Go on. No. Sherry Moore says the bear charged while she was on a morning jog. She says at first the animal looked like it was heading back into the woods before suddenly running toward her. Moore says it even reared up on its hind legs before she screamed at it. And it went back into the woods. It's been three days since a family of bears was destroyed in a Coquitlam neighborhood. And tonight, a former conservation officer is questioning how it was handled. Three residents were arrested, their cell phones seized. And as Jordan Armstrong reports, they aren't getting any answers from RCMP and the Conservation Service. Very unfortunate situation, which just doesn't need to be. Former conservation officer Bryce Casavant is no stranger to controversy. In 2015, he became a bit of a folk hero for refusing an order to kill these two orphaned bear cubs. Now he's weighing in on Tuesday's arrests in Coquitlam. But I think what's happened here is there was a bit of an overreaction. Tony Fasine and two neighbors were put in the back of RCMP cruisers and charged with obstruction, accused of getting in the way of conservation officers there to destroy a mother bear and two cubs. Oh my God, they just killed them. I was showing it to him and then another officer reached between him while I was sitting in the back of the cop car and ripped my phone out of my hands and I haven't seen it since. He wants it back, not only for its priceless family photos, but also video. He says captured Tuesday's incident, video he wants the public to see. Are you worried it's going to be deleted? Well, yeah, of course. You know, these guys were so charged up and angry, and they're running around with shotguns, right? Where in the world is Tony's phone? Silence from officials. Coquitlam RCMP won't comment, referring us instead to the BC Conservation Officer Service. So we reached out to them. 
and they too are refusing to answer questions. Cassavant feels the criminal charges in this case are inappropriate. If I charged everyone criminally, for every time I've had my picture taken or been yelled at, half the population of BC would be in jail. <laughs> How do I feel right now? I feel angry. I'm very angry. I want my phone back. He's already filed a complaint against the RCMP and says his next step is to hire a lawyer. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. On day 11 of the manhunt for two B.C. teen murder suspects, Ontario Provincial Police have assigned a team of investigators to look into a spike in the number of tips for the pair. Police say the reports have come in from across the province, but so far investigators cannot confirm whether the sightings are in fact 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski and 19-year-old Cam McLeod. Meantime, in northern Manitoba, where the search has been scaled back, a community meeting was held in Gillum today, giving residents the chance to question police and request counseling services. The teens from Port Alberni are the prime suspects in three murders in northern B.C. And one of the B.C. murder victims was laid to rest today in his native Australia. Lucas, thank you for being part of our lives. We always love you. A service was held for Lucas Fowler in Sydney. Some mourners wearing flannel shirts in honor of the 23-year-old who loved to wear them. His father, Stephen, delivered a eulogy, saying his son lived an envied life and was full of happiness, that his son was in love and traveling the world with American China Dees before their sudden deaths on the Alaska Highway. Leonard Dick of Vancouver was also found murdered days later near Dees Lake. We're so happy that Lucas and China found each other. We so look forward to having China in our family. Her mother tells us that China wanted their kids to have an Aussie accent. With time, there will be fewer tears and more laughter. Our dear China, we can no longer hug our boy. Please hold him tight. You are in our hearts forever. An officer in Georgia survived being dragged and dropped onto a busy highway north of Atlanta. And the ordeal was all caught on a police cruiser's dash cam. An officer dragged. He's hanging out the car. We're 25 east, 25 west. The vehicle had been pulled over for distracted driving. The officer's partner quickly gives chase, following the suspect driver, who's swerving in and out of traffic and even sideswiping another vehicle. The impact sending the officer falling onto the highway. The chase ends when the suspect ditches the car and runs into the woods. He was captured soon after. The officer was treated and released from hospital. It does look as bad as it feels, but you know me, I will bounce back. Ten times stronger. Millions will be heading to beaches in the U.S. this weekend, but many are being told to stay away from a number of popular beaches. They have been shut down in recent days after an unprecedented number of shark sightings. On the beaches of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, it is Shark Week, quite literally. More than a dozen great white sightings in just the past two days, over a hundred in the past month, and the peak season is just getting started. I'm afraid to go in the water. Beaches sporadically closed as sharks approach. The Massachusetts State Police chopper spotting this one near where a man was killed last fall. Scientists say they have never tagged this many this early. I don't even want their toes in the water. Shark attacks are rare, but there's no denying the close encounters. Oh, whoa! 
In Florida, more than 60 sharks spotted just off Grayton Beach. In North Carolina, a fisherman bitten when he pulled a shark out of the water. And this massive ancient species, bigger than the research sub, caught on camera by deep sea scientists. That is amazing. Researchers like Rutgers' Thomas Grothus expect warming sea temperatures to have an even greater impact on shark migration. The temperature shifts the prey species that they're chasing so that they come in towards shore in different patterns. Back on the beaches, there's an impact as well. There's less people here today than last year. The fear keeping some far away. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News. Parks Canada is offering a helping hand to international visitors about the concept of the outhouse. Staff at Lake O'Hara in Yoho National Park have installed toilet etiquette signs asking users to sit rather than stand on the seats. They noticed some overseas tourists weren't comfortable with the Western-style toilets and they were concerned that they might try to stand up or squat. Similar signs are being considered for Lake Louise. In Health Matters tonight, becoming a social butterfly later in life could be good for your long-term health. British researchers followed more than 10,000 people for nearly three decades. Those who had social interactions every day, especially in their 60s, were less likely to develop dementia later in life. That's compared to those who did not have a lot of contact with friends and family. Scientists believe being with people can be good for someone's overall mental health and can also cause people to become more physically active. A chart-topping song inspiring thieves in a BC town. How officials have turned the tables right after the forecast. And just ahead of Yvonne, part of a park near Whistler is closed for an annual animal migration. The park is the breeding ground for Whistler's largest population of western toads, and their great migration has begun. The access road and parking is closed to vehicle traffic, while the beach cut trail has been closed to pedestrians and cyclists. Visitors are being encouraged to walk or bike into the park to catch a glimpse of the migration, which can see some 2,000 toads an hour on the move. They come down to the water to mate and to lay eggs, and then they'll be there as tadpoles, and then they'll become little toadlets. These toads are what we call a sensitive species. Um, like a mother can lay 12,000 eggs and less than 1% of them will live. So it's really important that we don't contribute to their, um, the deaths of these toads while they're trying to make their way up into the forest. Yvonne Schell, as I mentioned, is in for Christy tonight. She is out in New Westminster on this Friday evening. Sounds like it's pretty lively down there, Yvonne. Yes, you can hear the music in the background, and we're at Fridays on Front. And to tell us more about it, uh, Kendra Johnston, you're the executive director. This is the third year of this event. For those who haven't had the opportunity to check it out, tell us a little bit more about it. Uh, well, Fridays on Front is presented by Douglas College and produced by us at the downtown New SBIA. And it's a weekly street social. We feature different food trucks every week, different vendors every week, different live entertainment every week. Uh, we have several theme weeks. Tonight is a sing-along week. Uh, Pride week comes up in two weeks from tonight. And it's a fully licensed venue. So you can come down, enjoy a glass of beer, glass of wine. Uh, it's all ages. You can bring your kids down, even your fur babies down. Yes, great crowds come out. And if people still want to come out, they still have some time tonight. And then they can still come out for the following Fridays as well. That's right. We run uh, every Friday until August 23rd from 5 to 9 p.m. 
was a great event. Thank you so much for having us. Let's check out the forecast for the remainder of the evening and, of course, your long weekend. A glance at what it looks like uh, outside there right now. English Bay, we had that wet weather very early in the morning, but it is cleared out. We may see a few more clouds for tomorrow morning, but it is going to be dry, especially for a Saturday, Sunday, and holiday Monday. A warm one out there with temperatures at 25 degrees, a light southerly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. The interior today, low 30s for the Thompson Okanagan areas near the Peace getting up to 16 degrees and Campbell River at 22. The active weather still across the central interior this evening. We're still tracking a line of thunderstorms. That system is going to push its way towards the east, eastern, uh, toward, towards the east rather, and then it'll be much calmer. What we do have in place, a ridge of high pressure that'll build in. We've got dry conditions across the south coast for the morning hours. There may be some cloud cover, and this ridge is going to build in very strong across the province. Temperatures for the interior will be into the low 30s as you approach early next week and it looks like the sunshine and dry conditions will continue even towards the end of next week. Northern half of the province, more breaks by the afternoon. The southern half tomorrow warming up, highs up to 29 degrees for areas near Kamloops. South coast will see some morning cloud cover and then by the afternoon it clears out if you're heading down to the celebration of light. 19 degrees with a mainly clear sky for tomorrow. It is fantastic. Sunday, Monday, areas away from the water, it's going to be hot, up to 29 with the Humidex. It'll feel into the low 30s, so it's going to be fantastic, sunny, dry, right across uh, most areas for the province for our long weekend. So, all right, have fun down there, Yvonne. Thank you. Well, you know you have a hit song when it inspires theft. Old Town Road is on top of the music charts, and recently two road signs in Sycamus bearing that same name, went missing mysteriously. As Danny Seymour reports, the district has come up with an idea to capitalize on the song's popularity while also trying to combat any more thefts. This is the post where the street sign for Old Town Road in Sycamus used to sit. The sign was basically stolen off the post. It's a sign. Why do they want a sign? The stolen signs most likely related to this song. Currently number one on the Billboard's Top 100. The sign along the road, an old town road, kept going missing. And so we thought, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make up our own signs and we're going to sell them. With all the publicity surrounding the stolen signs, the town decided to roll with the media attention, creating even more of a buzz. So today we're going to do our own video here in Sycamus. We're, uh, we've got a bunch of kids that are coming in. You want to see hands right up in the air? And they're going to do a dance move uh, with uh, and perform it to uh, the Old Town Road song. And that's exactly what they did after rounding up the kids and learning a few steps. They know the song, they dance to it, and they know the words to it, and, uh, you know, and I'm singing it now, and I'm dancing to it too, so, I mean, it's for all ages. And for those who insist on stealing the Old Town Road sign, the mayor has a message for you. If you want to steal the sign, go ahead. But if you'd buy it, we'd appreciate that too. And it's safe to say that this old town is having fun doing it. This is just a prime example of taking a negative and turning it into a positive. If we did more of that in the world, we'd be way, way better off. Danny Seymour, Global News, Sycamus.
Yes. Our director used to think, sorry, Justin, I'm just going to throw you under the bus for a second now. Our director used to think that the line was, I'm going to take my horse to the hotel room. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You've got BC Bud for us. What else do you have? All right. We're going to talk about uh, BC as well. Surrey's. Adam Svensson went low today in round two of the Wyndham Championship. Shot a 61, birdied seven of the first nine, had two more birdies by 13, then he parted the last five holes. Finished at 61, as we just said. Uh, It's actually a score he posted earlier this year at the Sony Open, so two 61s in one season. That has not been done very often in PGA history. Sadly, he did most of his golfing today when the cameras weren't on, but... He is third. He's two shots off the lead. And he said after the round that what changed things for him was a lot of putting practice. That made the difference. I've been working really hard on my putting. I've been going at it with Ralph Bauer, and uh, I think it just clicked this week. Uh, Starting the ball in line, my stroke was a little loopy, so we got that fixed a little bit more inside and uh, just kind of releasing the putter down the line. You know, I just, I don't know, the hole looked huge for me today, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Mackenzie Hughes was second, going into the second round from Ontario. Had a good day as well. And Hughes, good Nice birdie putt there. We get a par on 18. Shot a 66. He's tied with Fenson at minus 11. Byung Hung On is the leader at 13 under par. Taylor and Hadwin missed the cut. Uh, Women's British Open, second round. Brooke and Brittany Henderson. Brittany, of course, her caddy. This is uh, the approach shot at 16 to six feet away. She ended up shooting a one under 71, so she is four under for the tournament. That's tied for 18th. The leader is still South African Ashley Buhai, who has never won an LPGA event. This from the fringe at 13. one with just a little bit of movement left. Yeah. She has a three-shot lead with 36 to go at 12 under par. Whitecaps are on the road tomorrow, and they get to play a team they might actually be able to beat. I know I shouldn't say that. They're taking on an expansion team, FC Cincinnati. I know I shouldn't say that because they couldn't even beat a team in the Canadian Premier League, which is one league below MLS. The Caps will recognize some of the players from Cincinnati. Among them are former Caps, Kendall Waston, Kakuta Mane, Darren Maddox, and keeper Spencer Ritchie. Okay, Red Blacks and Alouettes tonight. Ottawa's Devontae Dedman. Just like... There goes Dedman again. Stays on his feet. Ryan Langford with the Lions in their last game. He has two kick returns for touchdowns. This was a punt return. The first one was a kickoff return. 95 yards. Montreal led 17-14 and a half, but Ottawa took the lead in the third quarter. Dominique Davis... To Brad Sinopoli. Touchdown, Brad Sinopoli. Sinopoli. My mistake. 21-17 Ottawa at that point. Now it's 27-21 for Montreal. It's not official, but sources say. Maybe he said it wrong. Maybe it is. No, it is Sinopoli. As soon as I read it, I knew. Wait a minute. That's not right. Okay. Uh, It's not official, but sources say that Kawhi Leonard will make his return to Toronto on December 11th. Apparently the Clippers are scheduled to play the Raptors and the official schedule is not out. The Raptors will also get a game on Christmas Day, something they haven't had since 2001. That one will be against Boston. Also on Christmas Day, this is the NBA's big day. Well, one of their big days, but one of the Christmas Day games will be the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard against the LA Lakers with LeBron James. Uh, when we last checked in, or when we first checked in on MMA fighter Julia Budd of Port Moody, she was doing great. 
So we thought, let's go visit her again because she's now on an 11-fight win streak as a featherweight world champion for Bellator. In fact, she's a new contract to keep fighting in Bellator. Now, just before we start this story, a warning. This is mixed martial arts. Some of you are not comfortable with that sport, so you may want to turn away. But for all those who aren't, let's revisit Julia Budd. The defending Bellator featherweight world champion presenting Julia the Julia Budd's been the Bellator 145-pound champion for two and a half years, but her most recent defense was one of those performances that makes a lot more people take notice. In her most dynamic finish ever, Budd destroyed previously unbeaten challenger Olga Rubin in the first round. And it is all over! This definitely, this fight got a lot more attention than... Um, uh, some of my other fights and some of my other finishes even. Um, so that was really big for me and I, I saw there were a lot of eyes on it that night. There was no other UFC card that night. I don't think there was any competition. So everybody was, had their eyes on Bellator and, and uh, I think it just showed what I'm capable of. Bud is now 36 and judging by what we just saw is in the prime of her career. She recently signed a new four-year fight deal with Bellator that gave her financial security. She's being paid like a champ now and that confidence and poise in the ring has seemingly taken her to a new level. When somebody's anxiety-ridden, they don't do those things. They ignore it and, they, and they're so panicky. She's gotten to that state where she sees everything and that's that's when you know you're on that, that world-class level. Bud figures her next title defense will be this December, but after that, Bellator is seriously considering having a fight night in the lower mainland with Bud as the headline attraction. Her stepson, Lance Gibson Jr., who's 2-0 and as a pro, would also be part of the card, likely next March or April. That, to me, is like a dream come true, especially before I retire and uh, to be here in my hometown. Bud says she's dedicated to staying with Bellator, but should UFC champ Amanda Nunez ever want to fight, she'd gladly take it. Nunez, along with Ronda Rousey, are the only two fighters ever to beat Bud as a pro. She's won 11 straight since and feels she can beat anybody right now. I've got a really solid game as is, and now it's adding these pieces that you can even make me be even more extraordinary. So that's what we're doing, and, and uh, that's what we're working on. There you go. So your love for Snickers came through a trip through the Middle East. Yes, that's I craved them for some reason. Interesting. Okay. Well, apparently, and not, and not since, but uh, Snickers, because of good advertising, they, their sales went way up a few years ago. So here's one of those ads uh, featuring Willem Dafoe dressed as Marilyn Monroe. Odd. <laughs> Sweetheart, don't look at me like that. It's going to be amazing. Oh, oh. This is a disaster. Who's the genius who puts a girl in heels on a subway grate? Miss Monroe, eat a Snickers. Why? You get a little cranky when you're hungry. Better? Much better. This scene will never make the cut. Morons.
If you like that, wait till you hear me on the piano. Of course, that was a take on. Remember the, the Cadbury commercial we show where they had uh, in the air tonight and the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. This is the one we uh, previewed just a little while ago. Cardi B and the long nails for Reebok. I mean, he's cute, but you know, he's not that cute for him not to call me in two days. That's what I'm saying. You think he's cute? Yeah, right. That's what I was saying. <laughs> Hold So anyways, you know, I just, I think I'm gonna block him. Maybe I should block him. Yeah, do that. Yeah, that's what I should do. It's just really creepy. It was, actually. <laughs> clever, but creepy. In a clever way. I love Muppets. Okay, if you love Muppets, and you love animals who have English accents, mm -hmm. like earlier, then I bring you both. Here we go. You Padre, sweet Highlander. <laughs> drums, Ooh, drums. No, no, no. Drums. Can somebody change the station? Music's terrible. Dios mío, this music is melting my brain. Okay. We got a whole flock of chickens and a grand piano. Who a drunkard and an organ too. Da, da. And there's a whole bunch of women playing bingo in the gym. And we can show them all a thing or two for sure. But we ain't got no one for boring. Like that's just too much space to consume. No, we ain't got no one for boring. For boring, we ain't got no room. Are you doing all right there, fella? They were singing vegetables and chickens. Yeah, happens to me all the time. The all-new Highlander, Toyota. Let's go places. Animals, your favorite? Well, both Statler and Waldorf. Both Statler and Waldorf. You like them? I, I like. I don't and know. Frog. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to look at you. No, don't look at Yeah, I am the happiest guy you've ever met. And I'm and not, not even also old. also not old. Yeah, not see? Old. Okay, let's head back down to uh, New Westminster. Yvonne Shell, the weather very important for this weekend in particular. Absolutely, and uh, the good news is for Metro Vancouver, temperatures are going to be soaring. It's going to be warm. It is going to be dry for all three days of our long weekend and very hot with Sunday and Monday seeing temperatures areas away from the water getting closer to 30 degrees. I'm here in New West. If you still want to come down, it's Fridays on Front. It's on the 600 block of Front Street Muse, and uh, things will start to close off at 9 p.m. this evening, but there's still time to come down. Guys? Plenty of time. Thanks very much, Yvonne. You're only older than to people that are younger than you. I gotta calculate. You're only old to people who are younger than you. Well, yeah. more and more people are younger than us these days. Have you thought about that? Not, let's not make that public, shall we? <laughs> Have a good weekend, everyone. <laughs>